Hello and welcome to Sunday on the Pod with Casey, Flo and Rosa. Welcome back everyone, whether you are just tuning back in or whether it's your first time here, welcome to the show. Um, so Sunday in the Pod um, is basically, it's, it's, it's a podcast all about musicals. Uh, this podcast though isn't just for performers, it's for anyone who loves musical theatre. Um, we will be covering musicals that some of you may love, some of you may hate, you might feel indifferent about them or maybe you've never heard of them before. Or maybe it's something that you want to hear more about. Of course, we obviously have our favourites, but we'll be covering a broad range of genres, writers, eras, styles, you name it. We will be singing and dancing about it. So each episode, we will be picking a musical and we'll be covering a brief history of the show, picking apart the songs, lyrically, musically, delving into any juicy gossip from past productions, future projects, putting on our own very casting director hats and choosing our fantasy cast. And then for our finale, which is in every single episode, we'll have a fabulous new guest performer sing a song from the show. So what are you waiting for? Sit back and enjoy the pod. So our musical this week is Waitress. Congratulations to those who guessed correctly from the clues on our socials. Just a reminder, you can keep up with the pod on Instagram and Twitter at Sunday on the Pod. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, so you can keep an eye on us over there too. So, how are we, girls? Good. That felt like um, a much more professional start to the pod. Than <laughs> first it's all going to go downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that was good. I think we're it's going to be better and better every episode. We're going to be yeah. more and more polished. <laughs> How are we on this? It's been a very nice day where I am, actually, this Sunday. I went out earlier, nice nice sunshine. Very nice. It's been raining here. Really? Yeah, raining up north. Oh. (sighs) Well, I was was actually very in keeping with our podcast. I was actually in a park. Um, Oh, really? (laughs) I know. I travelled to Hyde Park, um, which was quite nice. I like... I had a little coffee. Oh, did you? Did you, yeah. did you? What did you do? Did you just sit and think about things? Yeah, just, um, I mean, I've got into a really bad habit now. Well, not, it's not even a bad habit. It's actually quite a good habit of just finding a park bench and sitting like a little old lady and um, drinking my hot drink, watching the world go by. And it's, I find it really meditative. It's really nice. That is so cute. That is <laughs> honestly adorable. I love a good people watch. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I, I like... That. um. I don't know why, but you know that bit in Company where Kathy says, like, just sitting here in a tiny little pocket of a park. I think about that all yeah. the time. I think that's such that's a me. lovely line. <laughs> well, very excited to talk about Waitress this week. Waitress was a show, actually, when it first came out that I wasn't that into. And then... Oh, really? Friend, why? Yeah. I don't know. I think I just was like, it's a bit fluffy, isn't it? Like, it wasn't <laughs> enough for me. Um, but then I went to see it with like my my friend who absolutely loves Waitress and I was like it's pretty good isn't it? and then I've, I think I saw it another three times afterwards. oh my god <laughs> I do have pretty good thoughts on Waitress what are your what's your guys oh I love it I absolutely mm. love it I and I'm really skeptical of new musicals because I'm usually more of, not even legit, I I love this middle era of musical theatre, like the 60s, 70s, 80s, Mm. I love that. Um, So usually when new musicals come out and they've sort of got like an edgy pop vibe to them, 
I'm never usually into it because I like the old school sort of belting and, you know, all yeah. the things that you expect from a musical. Um, so I'm usually quite sceptical, but I absolutely loved it when I listened to the soundtrack. I, I literally remember going to the, you know, you know, the Red Steps where you get all the Broadway tickets in yeah. Times Square. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. We went to we went on a, a trip with university to New York and I went to the Red Steps and they had tickets for Waitress and it must have only just come out because this was 2017, December 2017, so it hadn't been out long if it had. Um, and I dragged my friends there and I was like, please, please, can we watch Waitress? They were like, the ticket's like $120, no way. Because they didn't know anything about it. And mm-hmm. I was like, please, please, I'll sit by myself. Because there was two sat seated together and then one sat by themselves. And I was like, I will sit by myself if you come with me. And we ended up going and it, oh, it was just incredible. It was. Oh, so did you see Jesse Mueller? No, I saw um, Betsy Wolf. So it was <gasps> oh, just wow. after. Jesse Mueller had just left and it was before Sarah Bareilles uh, started. So wow. it was in that, in that middle. But we did see um, Jason Mraz. He was that, absolutely I, brilliant. What a oh random, random casting. I always think that. What a random yeah, casting. I think I, I think it's because he's really good friends with um Sarah. I think that's why. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Their their style of pop is like very similar. Isn't it's it? very similar. Yeah. And do you know what? He was really, really good. Oh. I mean, obviously, Did, I'm he guessing the, he played Doctor Pom- like Doctor Pomer. Yeah, he yeah. was. I mean, he was the first one I've seen. But um, Betsy Wolf was incredible. Her, she used to be mine. She was in tears. Snot coming from the nose, tears down the face. Like she looked like she was having a genuine panic attack. She came out the stage door. She came out the stage door and we were all like, Are you okay? (laughs) That looked rough. But it was it was so good. And then I saw it in the West End with Catherine McPhee as well. Yeah. I saw Catherine McPhee. She was cracking. She was absolutely cracking. I saw her and I saw Desi. Oakley because you know how Desi came over and did the Oh yes, she she was tall, Jenna, wasn't she? Yes, and she was yeah. she was brilliant actually. I I think I I saw Lucy Jones. I saw like a lot. Of- I saw Lucy Jones. <laughs> Lucy Jones was incredible in um the UK tour. I went. I watched it again um because I forced my mum to go when we went uh, to New York for my twenty first. And it was Stephanie Torns who I think was understudy Jenna at the time, but that was the same thing in that I think someone had just left and they were waiting for for um Sarah Brellis to kind of come back into it. So the understudy had had the role for like three weeks, um, and she was incredible. Wow, incredible! Oh my god, very exciting. Um, I mean, we're talking so much about it, we haven't even introduced. So Flo, hit us. Yes. Um, with all this chat about Sarah, let's just talk a little bit more <laughs> yeah. about her. Um, we're like, <laughs> who's Sarah? <laughs> Who the hell is Sarah? Um, so in case you didn't already know, it's the gorgeous Sarah Bareilles. Oh my gosh, Sarah Bareilles, who I'm sure you probably already know in the pop world. If you don't already know, where have you been? Uh, she wrote. <laughs> she wrote the really, really famous pop song, um, "Love Song," which was like such a love song. Yeah, yes, that's yeah, what it yeah. was. Yeah, I thought you were like <laughs> the lyrics literally are. I'm not going to write you a love song. I mean, <laughs> what a, it was such a song of the time. Like every everyone I knew was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a cover of this. Like it was just such an iconic song. I actually remember a weird story too. Fun story where um, <laughs> there was like a boy. I think he must have been like the year above me at school, and I ridiculously fancied him. 
and he was in like a band and I was like so in love with him and he was such a nice person like he was a really good person and I remember I thought it was like really edgy to be like yeah I don't like pop music because he was into kind of like pop punk and stuff and uh, then one day he was like I thought he was joking but he was like yeah have you ever listened to Love Song by Sarah Bareilles and I was like oh yeah <laughs> like oh yeah yeah it's so so awful blah 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 and um, he was like it's actually an incredibly well written song and you were like okay I will never speak to you ever again (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh dear um but yeah so she uh, actually that was part of the reason why it attracted me to go see the musical in the first place was the shit so she wrote the music and lyrics for it um so uh in case you didn't already know um about her anyway I'm gonna give a little bit info about Sarah anyway so uh, I actually know this she sold over three million albums and over 15 million singles in the U.S. alone like insane yeah crazy but then her Broadway debut wasn't until she wrote Waitress in 2015 so she already had like an amazing career up until then um and actually she earned a Tony Award nomination for best original score um and a Grammy Award nomination for best musical theater album um, and then later, when it transferred to the West End, she earned um, an Olivier Award nomination as well. So she did pretty well. Um, and if you have never heard the music, hopefully this will inspire you to listen to the album because it will change your life. Yeah, that, um, that broadcast album is like stunning. I can just put it in, close my eyes, and I'm just like, I'm in my own world. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, and then the book. So the actual words were written by a lady called Jessie Nelson. This is actually another thing. I love that it's all female. Mm. Like, like the whole creative team is female, which is just like iconic. It's really in keeping with the the actual theme of the show as well. It's exactly. Just... Yeah. But I, so I didn't know this, but the musical is actually based on a film. It's based on the 2007 film, which was written by a lady called Adrian Shelley. Like, I had no idea it was based on the film, which is also called Waitress. Um, have you guys ever heard of it? Yeah, I knew it yeah. was, yeah. I knew it was based on a on a film, but to my much shame, I've, I've never seen the film. Me neither. Oh, my, see, I, we had, like, such a big DVD collection when I was growing up. Um, I think it was one of my mum's, actually, which is, which is odd. But, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I definitely remember watching it when I was quite young. And not really understanding like the depths of it. I just think it was quite boring as a child. It just wasn't really, you know, something that I was into at that point. But watching it, I watched it after I went to watch the musical. I sat down and watched the film again, and it's so in keeping with the with the show. They really, really, you know, out sometimes when that something makes a a debut as a musical and things are cut out. Yeah, like like Beetlejuice, for example, there's quite mm. a lot cut out and a lot that's added in new, and it's quite different from the film in some aspects. Whereas this is really in keeping with the original story, which I think is really nice, a really nice tribute to Adrian Shelley as well. because yeah. um, my biggest thing is like I hate I hate the new trend of like cult movie to musical. Like I don't yeah. I don't get it. Like. I think if there calls to be music there, like it's pretty self-evident, and like there are some cracking ones, like Matilda's a wonderful adaption, and it it makes complete sense with her like 
with the magic and stuff like she's it's escapism so of course like adding the magic of songs into that that really makes sense mm-hmm. um and like there's a couple others that i'm like yeah it's brilliant and like that makes complete sense of music and there's some like no offense to back to the future but like really <laughs> did that did that need to i mean and i've watched the show and i had a lot of fun watching that show but I, I don't quite understand apart from being like, oh, if we make a musical of this, it'll make loads of money. Was there? <laughs> yeah, I get it. But, um, then I, I but really do you think enjoy... that with Waitress, Casey, do you think that was like, a, it, it needed music? I think, yeah, I think it was, it's really, I think when you watch the film, it's really stylistic. It's got some sort of like, there's just something about it. I can't even um, explain it because it's not a massive budget film. Um, and you know, when Adrian Shelley, that's kind of her first. It was her first big hit, I think, which was really sad because she didn't actually see the. Well, she didn't actually wasn't alive when it came out, um, mm-hmm. so she didn't see the success it had, sort of. But it's a really nice, quaint little film, and it has a really nice little vibe to it, um, and I think the musical captures that, mm-hmm. which I think sometimes is hard to do. It and the music goes really well with it, and you know I can kind of watch the film and go, okay, this is where that song would come in, and it would absolutely fit back into the film. So, you know, it really, it really stuck to the story. The only thing that is slightly different is that Jenna's apprehension um, with the pregnancy is is a lot more um, talked about in the film. Mm. It's not, it's not, not that it's pushed under the carpet in the musical, but you know. The fact that she really doesn't want this baby is really prevalent in the film. That's the only thing that's slightly different. But apart from that, they got it spot on, I think. Yeah, and that's actually a good a good place to kind of just pop in a little trigger warning, little disclaimer that um, just due to the kind of content of Waitress, the, we will be talking about um, a few themes today that might involve domestic violence and domestic abuse, manipulation, coercive control, and um, kind of themes of suicide. and just natural issues that come up with uh, perhaps surprise pregnancies um so it might just want to be mindful of that and uh, we will of course link to some resources in the bio and on our socials and if anything has affected you definitely go and check those out but yeah so actually that's really inspired me now to watch the movie lovely so and i didn't know uh this so the orchestra was um only six members so consisting of keyboard, piano, cello, guitar, bass, and drums. Um, it was orchestrated by a lady named Nadia DiGilnardo, um, who conducted the show as well. Um, I actually, this is a fun little fun little nugget of knowledge. I don't know why I forgot this. Sarah Burris actually, um, actually recorded the pre, the pre, in, uh, the pre-interval, the pre-show turn up your cell phones message. Oh really? Oh, that's so cute! I didn't know that. I know, which I, I I'm pretty sure I must have picked it up when I watched it the first time, but I just completely forgot that she did that. Aww. Which I think is just such a cute little touch. I do love that when you watch a show and then you like, um, you're like, oh my god, that's the cast. Yeah, the cast yeah. Doing that. <laughs> yeah. So. In terms of like first production for Waitress, uh, Waitress debuted at the American Repertory Theatre in Cambridge, Massachusetts, August 2nd, 2015, for an extremely limited run. Every single ticket 
before the production of this limited run sold out. <laughs> so yeah, clearly it wow. was like an absolute hit. So this kind of first run was directed by uh, Diane Paulus with choreography by Chase Brock. And the original cast included the incredible Jesse Mueller as Jenna, Drew Galing as Dr. Uh, Palmenter, Joe Sippet as Earl, Jenna Deval as Don, Keila Settle as Becky, Dakin Matthews as Joe, Jeremy Morse as Ogie, and Eric Anderson as Cal. Uh, the show then moved to Broadway, and it opened at the Brooks Atkinson Theatre on 24th of April 2016. Lauren Lataro replaced Chase Brock as the choreographer, uh, but the cast kind of stayed largely the same. So Nick Cordero took over Errol, Kimiko Glenn, who's kind of made that role iconic as Dawn, um, and Christopher Fitzgerald, Fitz, uh, Christopher Fitzgerald as Ogie, um, who had played uh, Ogie originally in the kind of early New York workshop. Um, so there was a couple of things for this Broadway opening. A song was added, but I have not been able to find out what, what? song was added, but there was oh, a new really? song written and added. Um, and the cast were taught properly how to kind of bake pies. They actually wrote in these like two female bakers. Um, to get help with the choreo so they all learned how to like accurately roll pies and toss flour and obviously like the big iconic thing is that they have the warm pies as the audience come in yeah and, that's, that's yeah, incredible so cool they got so rid- cool. did they get rid of that for the london production i can't quite remember i they remember liked- really clearly people in my year at drama school going crazy when this first came out being like oh my god you get pie like, and I remember that really clearly. So I'm being like, oh my God, I've got two pieces of pie. So I'm pretty sure it was part of it. Because I remember it, the theatre stank of yeah, like really good, really delicious stank. pie. Stank, yeah, probably, probably the wrong word. <laughs> <laughs> when we, when we um, walked into uh, Brooks Atkinson Theatre, it just hits you as soon as you go in, but it just smells so great. And yeah. they have like little individual pies for sale. Um, that was what yeah. I remember, yeah, from the yeah. London show, is they had like the individual slices of pie, which were really they were like in little glass jars, and they were they were delicious. There was like some, <laughs> there was like one that was like salted caramel chocolate, which was oh my god! god. They have that. I do remember that in the London show, they have like the design of the set. They had like uh, like the two pie. sides pie, um, like the columns the were, were pies. Yeah, yeah, were pies, and then she got one out, doesn't she? Mid show, yes, is, or she puts one in or something. This is the problem um, with the show, though. It always made it, it always makes me want to just eat pie after this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite kind of pie, actually? Oh, okay, that's a really tough question. <laughs> I mean, if I had to pick, I love blueberry pie. Like, I yeah. know it's basic. Blueberry pie, warm blueberry um, blueberry pie with vanilla ice cream. Stunning. Mm, solid, yeah. That's what a solid size. I really, I really enjoy an apple pie. Really boring. But I think I'm not... I don't know. Because when I got that little salted caramel chocolate one from the, uh, from the Broadway production, I swear that that wasn't a pie. That was some sort of like... It was Dessert more like... Yeah, mm. yeah, it wasn't. It didn't have like a crust like a pie would have a crust. So I think I I'm more of a now. tart person. Maybe yeah. that's what that was. Yeah, it I was, think yeah, it's a tart. It, it just kind of fell more into general pastry area. Which... <laughs> yeah, when does a pie become a... Like, become it has a, a lid. A oh, pie has a lid, a tart doesn't. That's it. That's There that. we go. <laughs> okay, I th- then I think that... Or, really, really off topic, my favourite ever pie that I've ever had was... When McDonald's a few years ago, they sort of released a Christmas menu and there was a 
chocolate banoffee pie. Mm. Oh my god. It That's was incredible, but then they've replaced it every year and it's been some sort of horrible mince pie thing, so oh, really upset about that, but that would be mine. Yeah, but then I suppose like for Americans, like they're talking sweet pies, whereas like yeah. if you're talking like a savoury pie, that's a whole different ballgame. Oh yeah, like that a is... meat and potato. Yeah. I love a meat and potato pie. Really? I've never had one. Really? Well, because I don't eat meat. I've never really eaten meat, so. But surely there's some veggie options out there. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I've had like a pie. Like, they, they do, like, there's some, is it Higgledy Piggledy? Yes, I've had oh that Oh my one. God. It's, That's it's so very good. nice. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Get me involved. Yeah, I've never had like a st- like because that's like the whole tradition in Scotland is yeah. on New Year's Day that you have a steak pie. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's like a big thing, and like like butchers or like whatever will they'll sell out of steak pies, and like oh it was big. God. It was actually this this New Year. My cousin for my mum was like, "Do you know where to get a steak pie? <laughs> there's nothing. <laughs> so just eat something else. It'll be fine." <laughs> So a couple of things uh, about the Broadway show, as we've discussed, uh, the four top creative spots were female. So we have Sarah Brellis. I also Sarah Sarah. I'm, uh, I'm interchanging. I, I think it I'm interchanging, is. but uh, it's Sarah Brellis or Sarah Brellis, however we pronounce your name. We do love you. Um, so it may <laughs> intercut. Um, American American pronunciation would be like Sarah. 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 Sarah Brown. Ah. Maybe yeah. that's where we're going wrong. Whereas I would look at that and go Sarah. Yeah, I, I'm like Sarah. That's Sarah <laughs> Bareilles. <laughs> I think it should be that. Yeah. <laughs> well, which, whichever we go with, listeners throughout the pod, you know who we mean. <laughs> okay, so a couple of important things about the Broadway show so Waitress Made History on Broadway uh, being one of the only shows with the four top creative spots being filled by women so we obviously we have Sarah Bareilles uh, music and lyrics, Jesse Nelson doing the book, Lauren Lataro on choreography and Diane Paulus uh, directing um, but in addition the costume designer and the musical director are both women too so <laughs> it there we go. must have been a wonderful experience for all of those women in the cast I think they must have felt like very Empowered. Yeah. Yeah. Uh the Broadway production closed on January fifth, uh twenty twenty after thirty-three previews and over one thousand five hundred performances. Wow. Which is mental, isn't it? Just when you think of those sheer numbers, it's crazy. Um and it would open again with Borellis uh, in the titular role after theatres reopened after COVID, which is something we should probably talk about actually. So I think it's it's quite a topic of contention, isn't it? about whether writers should play their own roles. So, like, obviously you have Lin-Manuel Miranda in Hamilton. Some would argue, I I would argue, he was perhaps too old <laughs> to, <laughs> to take on that role. But obviously, you know, he does a fantastic job. He, he's a wonderful Hamilton. Um, but Sarah Brellis, it's a perfect it's match, perfect. isn't it? It's a perfect, I think, perfect I, I think she really suits it. I think she really suits the role. And I think... You know, if she's been writing these songs, she's probably been singing them, you know, mm. as she's been writing them. And then, you know, she, I, I think actually, a little nugget of information, she released an album um, after she wrote Waitress where it was her singing all the Waitress songs. So I can imagine that is so something I'd do. <laughs> I feel like I'd be like, I've got this in my head now that I need to play this role. <laughs> yeah. 
So, yeah, so I think maybe that's fallen into it, is that she's probably been so focused on this project that it kind of felt right for her to take the role. Totally, After yeah. a while, yeah. Because I think, like, Jesse Mueller, obviously she's just perfection itself, like, that woman. Mm. Oh, my good lord, that woman. Um, and I think when I saw that Sarah Reynolds had released that song of her covering Waitress songs, I was like, oh, why has she done that? Like, is that taking away from the cast album? Blah, blah, blah. But then I did listen to it and she does. I mean, it's not just a cover for cover. Yeah, like, it's, it's it's got some sort of like more poppy vibe to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not it's not like a straight copy of the the cast album, which is nice. And then I also, think... actually, I would think I was thinking like, well, she wrote those songs so she can kind of do what she wants. <laughs> well, I think I, I think I also read it somewhere. I think in an interview she talked about like, especially with um, uh, like um, Jenna's songs. She talked about like the way that she found the honesty of the character was putting herself into the character's shoes. Mm. So I think in particular Jenna's character, she probably, I mean, I, 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 this is what I'm predicting. Predicting. This is what I'm thinking is that she probably had to kind of imagine herself as that role in order to write songs. Because obviously she she wrote all her songs herself um, before Waitress. So, I mean, and that's what makes her song so good is it's like it's coming from, like, her, her like, life. So she probably took this part and thought, okay, if I was, if I was Jenna, this is what I'd want to sing. This is what I'd, this is how I'd want to sing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Um... Well, she took on that role under critical acclaim. <laughs> um, and, of course, it transferred over to the West End, opening at the Adelphi Theatre, which is a gorgeous theatre. I always think that about the Adelphi. Yeah. I love that theatre. Uh, March 7th, 2019, with Catherine McPhee, who had previously played Jenna on Broadway. Um, and then Lucy Jones took over with kind of various stints, didn't they? Of, I think I'm sure Sarah did a few performances and I think uh Desi Oakley did a few performances as well um but I have I mean every person I've seen in that role has been great like they've always had like yeah. a great, whoever their casting team is is fantastic actually Catherine what I really enjoyed about Catherine's performance was maybe her acting wasn't as you know up to par with with some of the some of the Jennas had seen because you know, Betsy Wolf for me was way, way up there. She put her whole heart and soul into that character. Um, but I mean, that might just be me being biased because she was the first Jenna I saw. So that was kind of, you know, my whole experience. But Catherine McPhee's voice work, like her vocals were insane. She opted up on loads. She added extra riffs, which were just gorgeous and beautiful. But I think that's kind of, that's what's kind of nice about when you take over a role is that you kind of get to, add in those little flares and things that you know the original didn't quite have because like when you think about how many alphabets have done the um you know the alphabet riff yeah. famous alphabet riff that everybody changes up in um is it no good deed yeah it's i love seeing those um like those compilations of the alphabet riffs yeah and the same with um uh like eponine yeah yeah so i think i I think (laughs) what was nice is she really took that and made it her own and her vocals were absolutely incredible um and she's married to david foster yeah absolutely crazy because i only ever think of david foster in this is really showing my uh what i watch on tv but i only ever think of him in the context of the real housewives of beverly hills (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> he was married to Yolanda Hadid. <laughs> so I just think of like her when she got all like the mercury removed from her body because she would do things like that. And then she'd be like, oh, David's coming to see me. And it would just be David Foster. <laughs> like, so I'm always like, oh, that's so funny that he's married to Catherine McPhee So if you don't know the story of Waitress, I'll give you a little overview of what these stories about. So it follows the story of a young woman named Jenna, um, sort of fed up with a humdrum life, uh, working as a waitress and kind of, it never really states where it is, but it's just some sort of like off the road. town. Yeah, Yeah. like off the road cafe (laughs) in some sort of southern state in America. Um, She's kind of fed up with a life, you know, she didn't have like the best childhood. Um, and then that's kind of rolled over into her adulthood. She has an abusive husband. Um, and she she bakes to kind of escape her worries. So she bakes pies um, like she used to do with her mother. There's a whole song about that, which is really lovely. Um, and she kind of bakes these pies, puts her secrets into the pies, as she says. And that's her kind of escape. Also, she works with two of her best friends, which is also quite nice. Um, until her life is turned upside down with an unexpected pregnancy. This kind of leaves her feeling lonelier and more trapped, but as a, as all rom-coms sort of go in that way, she falls in love with her, her doctor. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really as you lovely. do. <laughs> it's, as you do, as you do. It's a really lovely dynamic, I think, with those two. Um, it's kind of just showing that he's the complete opposite of her husband. He's really attentive, really lovely. Um, and then in the way of as way of life, we find out that he is married. So that's a, a bit of a, you know. It still shocks me even today. I'm like, oh my god! I <laughs> always forget. I know, and I'm me like, too. Me too. the wife seems so lovely. It's as well, just, I it's think. just like everything's going so perfectly, and she's kind of met him, and he's so lovely to her. And then it's like the bombshell of his wife. Yeah, we should question. just stop here just to say, Doctor Jim. I mean. He's kind of every woman's dream, like not to be well. He's kind of every bisexual or straight woman's dream, like something about something about like a goofy guy. Yeah, I don't know what it is. What it what is it about like a goofy guy? But it's I think just it, so... it's just I think it's really nice because I think he's so like safe. Yeah, you know, sort of. Mm-hmm. Is he sort safe? Because of... he is married. I mean. <laughs> true true i think you just kind of really want that for her i think you're kind of really yeah. rooting for her to meet someone nice and to kind of give her that you know confidence back that she's lost which is and he just as soon as he meets her as well he's like oh my god head like, over yeah. heels yeah it's just yeah. so lovely oh but also i think like it's this thing where people think that if they're treated in one way it's because it's because that's it like i think mm. Um, and like, and I, th- I think maybe up until now, maybe Jenna has only seen her like relate, like love relationship with Earl. So she mm. only views the way that she should be treated in a certain way, and she only sees yeah. So then, obviously, when Jim comes along, and it's completely different, that also probably then heightens it even more because she's like, oh my god, you're such a nice guy. And actually, I I actually have this all the time with um some of my girlfriends when they come out of like a really terrible relationship. They're like, why the hell was I with him? Like he was awful. Mm. And it's like it's like that thing where you're like until until you meet someone else, you'll be like, oh my god, that was terrible. Like how how did I not see it? I mean, obviously, she does. She can see that Earl isn't like the best. Um yeah. but yeah. 
to and make the point to note that Earl's extremely kind of physically and mentally abusive towards her. Really horrible. Mm. And he's just so un like, you know, in his whole solo, um, he kind of doesn't remember facts about her and he can't remember yeah. her favourite song and he can't you know, just yeah, things he like says, that. In you you will still be mine, he says, um uh, they're talking about when they're younger, and he says, "I had my six string, and you had your own thing." Oh, I can't remember what it was. Yeah, like but, this is really, oh my God. really, and and you know, early on in the musical, you see that he comes into the diner and kind of takes her tips away from her. Mm. So it's that yeah. sort of, you know, control over fine, yeah, which is just awful. Um, but it's important to note as well that that's all she's ever known. You know, she yeah. talks about how early on in um what baking can do that her father was abusive towards her mother and she never you know was able to like she she states in the song that she doesn't know why they never left so it's kind of like it's it's you know it's really sad you just want to give her that push to go but you're doing the same thing you know yeah um so it's just kind of i think that's all she's ever known when it's come to men is you know that abusive um like controlling relationship is all she's known so it's kind of like she's fallen into that herself because she hasn't witnessed a true loving relationship which is really sad oh angel <laughs> it's so sad <laughs> it's but it really... does have a good it's got a good ending guys don't worry yeah <laughs> it's yeah it's great <laughs> um yeah it might be a nice point to talk about then jenna's kind of big big soul it's the number that everyone talks about yeah i mean it's kind of like it's i think once once you've seen the musical it's the first song that you'd think of like from it it's like and obviously every i mean i think also i think i can speak for male and female if you were to cover a song from waitress you'd be like i have to try singing yeah. uh this song so the the song that we're talking about just keeping it as a mystery um <laughs> is um it's called she used to be mine um, which comes at, um, it's kind of like, it's near the end of Act 2. It's kind of that mid to end point of Act 2, um, which is the point kind of when Jenna um, is reflecting on her life. Um, and it's the point after Earl has taken the money, isn't it? Yeah, for context, she she's pregnant and she is very keen not to kind of stay in this relationship that she's in. So she wants to enter this pie contest uh, because. If she won, if she wins that, then that will kind of like, provide her an out. So she's been saving up money and hiding it from Earl, and he's just found it, and he takes it from her. Yeah, and and now she's kind of left thinking about, um, the kind of person that she once was, and how life has really disappointed her. Um, and uh, this is actually a quote from an interview with Sarah Brellis, how she says that um. It's remembering the person you thought you would become and then having to reconcile with the person that showed up. Oh, wow. Which I thought was just, like, such an amazing way to sum up the song. Um, Mm. And, like, I know that I've definitely had moments in my life where you kind of look back at your life and you're like, oh, my God. Like, kind of looking back to when you were a child versus now and being like, how much you've changed? Like, is this the person that I want to be? Um, obviously in her situation it's so much more heightened with everything that's happened to her um and um sarah also talks about how like she sees that song as the portal into waitress so if someone Mm. was to try and like to find a way in that would be the song 
to kind yeah. of sum up what waitress is, is all about. Um, and she also talks about how um, actually telling Jenna's story came the quickest um, from the song. Um, and that it was basically telling the honesty of what she was going through. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a beautiful song. Um, and actually, it's interesting that you talked about Earl's song uh, just now and talking about how he's saying, like, you're mine, that kind of possessive thing. Ooh, yeah, absolutely. Obviously, some people see the song as, like, quite sad and reflective, which it is. But I, weirdly, I find it... I also find it kind of empowering because she's, it's almost like she's trying to take back, right? She's trying to take back what she feels is gone. And yeah. she's, she's, she's using the same language that Earl used, like mine. Till the sun don't shine, you will still be mine. So it's, yeah, it's an absolutely gorgeous tie and it comes in a, an earlier point of the show. And yeah. it's just a beautiful tie in where she's reclaiming that, uh, that sense of herself. Beautiful. Have you? What is? Is anyone got like a favorite cover of that song? Oh, I think. I mean, like I've not shouted it from the rooftops enough. Betsy Wolf's was amazing, but I love Jesse Mueller's version. Um, just incredible. Like the emotion she puts into that song. The song itself is just an. Emo- I think you can't physically sing that song without it evoking some sort of emotion mm. from, like you know, um, from within. I think also the thing with like the musical as a general, the music, it was it was kind of one of the first musicals which like I listened to and I, and I felt like I was listening to singers not singing like in a traditional musical theatre way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like with the, I mean, obviously there's like so many musicals that like have riffs and kind of like flips and the voice and pop influences. But I feel like this kind of stands on its own. And I think a lot of it comes from Sarah's writing. Mm-hmm. She has yeah. such a distinctive sing- like singing voice anyway that I feel like um, whoever, whoever obviously plays Jenna, I feel like that's part of the writing, right? It's like Sarah's way of singing something. And I yeah, think it kind of gets, yeah. It's that sort of like floaty, you know, riffs and flips and like you kind of do that effortlessly yeah stunning really upsets me because i can't do that i am so (laughs) belty like loud and i can't get that delicateness that you really need for jenna same really really hard so it's it is it's lovely it's such a and you've got yeah you've got to have that sort of that softness that softness to, to the voice yeah which i think really really is what was needed for Jenna. Like that's the first thing they'd look for if they were casting it. Yeah, that would be I would love to like hear a casting director talk about like what they look for in certain roles. Yeah. Because you know? I think everyone that's played Jenna has had some something that just kind of you look at them and go, Yeah, I can yeah, see you're that. Jenna completely, yeah. 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 I know and just talking about um so talking about Earl's number. Um, you will still be mine, which is kind of like an overlooked song in the show. I would say it. it I mean, it does slightly feel like a. Not that there's anything wrong with this, but it's a slight filler song in terms of they're like, oh, we need to explain this backstory. So like, here it doesn't really progress the plot anyway, but it it kind of just gives an explanation for their kind of dynamic. It's kind of like a window into her home life as well. I mean, I know yeah. we see it in bits, but that's kind of like the longest scene that she's it where they're inside the home. 
Yeah, which I always find quite interesting, and I think I I don't really like those home scenes. But then I think it's just because I find it quite upsetting. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with them. I just find them quite upsetting. So I kind of tune out when they when they're happening because I'm just like, ah. Um, yeah. But uh, it's a really well timed song in terms of the song placement. So we've just had maybe ten minutes before Dawn is kind of her friend at the diner is running kind of excitement excitement and anxiety of opening yourself up to dating and and kind of new love with uh when he sees me which is a banger and i would say oh i love that song oh it's so good it's so Uh, good um and on jenna's way back to the diner she uh bumps into the doctor and he compliments her on the pie that she brought him and they kind of share like it's it's the song called It Only Takes a Taste, and they're obviously they're talking about pies, but... <laughs> or, are they? or are they? Innuendos. <laughs> they're talking about kind of this, like, I suppose, like, the danger and thrill of desire, especially as they're both married, um, and they share kind of, like, a bit of a flirt and stuff, and obviously it's foreshadowing their eventual affair. So when Jenna gets back into that house, she is probably very excited, she's probably giddy, but she's also probably feeling extremely guilty because she knows she's pregnant. Um, and she gets in, she finds out that Earl has lost his job because he was turning up late too many times. He then, like, tries it on sexually with her. She refuses it, and then he begins to try and get violent with her, which seems like something, it's a dynamic they're quite comfortable in, in terms of he's quite comfortable going there, so we can assume that it's been happening before, Um, and she stops him by telling him that she's pregnant. And what do we think he does? What do all abusers do? They try and kind of extend that control. So he makes her promise not to love the baby more than him, which is which disgusting. Oh, Can I just dis- say that is what? Why would that be the first thing out of your mouth? I know it's just vile. And then after, after basically almost beating her, he decides to sing her a love song or his version of a love song. Uh, you will still be mine. It's, I mean, it's it's a fairly simple song. The riff is kind of just recurring. It doesn't really move anywhere in terms of like a new key or a new tempo. It kind of stays the same, which is obviously meant to mimic how he would like them to stay. He just wants them to be kind of in this horrible cesspit <laughs> forever, um, kind of never moving forward. He doesn't want her to kind of leave. Um, and he tries to like remin- reminisce to their uh, childhood but as we were saying, he he's talking about him. He's never talking really about her. So he says, I had my six string, you had your own thing. You had your own thing. Like, like yeah. he doesn't even care to 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 think of it. And then he he tries to get her on board with staying, basically. Um and he's he's talking about the song that he used to sing to her and he's like, What you know, what was the line? What was the line? You used to love the line, like tell me the line. And then he makes her sing Till the Sun Don't Shine, You Will Still Be Mine. So she's he's basically just trying to guilt trip her into staying for so long. And then he's trying to get her to to act as if she's a willing participant. Um and it's it's an incredibly frustrating song. It's so horrible. Um and it kind of just it mimics, I suppose, how like abusers just wear down their victims. Like he carries her yeah, he yeah. carries her off at the end, doesn't he, as well, which is just really <gasps> yeah. like forgot about that yeah and it's it's kind of implied that they're then gonna go and have sex right yeah like it's kind of she's sort of dead behind the eyes isn't she and she's kind of like oh god 
you know, they've kind of had that fight beforehand. Mm-hmm. Then he sang this song and she's kind of like, as he keeps getting her to repeat uh, towards the end that, like, you know, she's his, you kind of see her wear down and it kind of just goes Ugh. really, she gets like a really blank expression and like, bang, bang, and he just picks her up and carries her upstairs. And that's yeah. the end of the scene, which is just awful. It's just yeah. really awful, which is why you really root for her with, with Dr. Pom, I think. Even though he's yeah. married, it's kind of just, you know, anything. Yeah, of course. And, like, it is, just, I mean, it's, I think, it's kind of the classic thing that people say is, like, oh, why didn't you just leave? Or, and it's, like, it's so often with kind of abusive relationships that it really isn't just a case of, like, one big thing happens or you know something happens and then you're like oh no i'm out it's like this gradual isn't it like wearing down and kind of gaslighting and being like you know no we've been together so long and you know i'm normalizing it almost completely yeah Yeah. to the point where she's just like great well he's kind of controlling me financially even though i'm earning the money but Mm -hmm. what you know how do i what what do i do which is actually also kind of like why i thought having that all-female team was really was really kind of nice to see because mm-hmm. I think I think it's kind of hard I think it's kind of hard for like a man to know what that would feel like for for mm. for a woman to go through that obviously it can happen both ways you know obviously a woman can be abusive to a man but like to know how that feels to have a man control you I think it's kind of it's it's really they they really considered like how the production would come across and kind of yeah yeah i mean because it is it is a different power dynamic isn't it in terms mm-hmm. of like the the kind of privilege that men carry in the world in those uh, like that does have an effect on those abusive relationships in terms mm-hmm. of like what resources like some women can get and things like that so obviously it's an absolutely horrendous song but it's very well written in kind of uh, laying out that dynamic for us and kind of laying the position that Jenna is in and obviously bringing a baby into that and how desperate she is to get out. Um, but, and this could be a controversial opinion, I have always had a bit of an issue with one of the most popular songs from the show, Never Getting Rid of Me. So it's a song that Ogie sings to Don. Uh, basically, Don has been speaking to Ogie through like on an online dating website. They've gone on a date. She was fairly unimpressed with him. She thought he was weird. And he turns up at the diner, uh, proclaiming that they're meant to be. Uh, Don kind of asks him to leave. And he says, oh, you're just kind of like, you're scared of closing yourself off and things like that. And when she asks him to leave, he just ignores her and sings an entire song about never, ever leaving her. And he's been on one date with this woman. I find it such a difficult song to kind of get through, even though it is a banger. And I will say, I do listen to it in the shower because it is a banger. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like very hypocritical. But let's begin with the title, Never Getting Rid of Me. That, if we just compare to Earl's song, You Will Still Be Mine. Very similar sentiments there. Very similar. Um, this is the opening lyric. <laughs> Don, I will never let you leave me. I promise I'm not lying. Go ahead, ask anybody who has seen me trying. I'm not going. If it seems like I did, I'm probably waiting outside. <laughs> now you say oh it in this God. sort of context, it does seem really creepy. <laughs> <laughs> it 
<laughs> but you does. know what though? But you know what though? His character is so is so different to Earl. Like him, like as a character, I think because he's so geeky. No, he is. He, his character is different. You know, but I, that those behaviors are the behaviors oh, no, no, obviously. But oh, I don't know because he's 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 different in terms of like his personality. So does it make I, it different? I yeah, I think that's the argument there because I think that he's a very non-threatening character. I think no matter you know, I think if it got to that point, he wouldn't ever be violent. But I don't know. I think that he's he's very sweet, and I I think he's coming at it from a different you know angle. I get that, but I I don't. It's still yeah, I understand. Yeah. I, you know, I never I even know. until you yeah. said it, yeah, I hadn't even had that thought. Yeah, I mean, so, this is this is the chorus. You'll learn what I already know. I love you means you're never ever getting rid of me. I just, I just, I, I cannot. I just don't know how you can have. I just don't know how you can have both of those songs in such close. Like they take place in the same like half an hour. I think, I think though, when you read it out like that, it sounds really creepy and really sinister. But the music is very like. Like very like happy and like, <laughs> and he's doing an Irish jig and everything. Yeah, it's that kind of feel. But you're right. That's really weird. I've never thought of it like that. But yeah, but that, that yeah, but that's a little bit like when people dissect Disney and then they and then they're like, "Did you see what was in the background of Little Mermaid?" And they do these like weird things. Let's just take. Let's not take the lyrics. Then let's just take the action. She says to him multiple times, "Please leave the premises. Oh. I don't want to see you." And he ignores that multiple times. And then he just kind of wears her down until she agrees to go on another date with him. I just think if that was, I, I don't think it really matters about like, oh, but he's, you know, he's quite a funny character. Oh, but, but, but. I think if we're just looking at that behavior, that is not a behavior that is acceptable. And to go to someone's workplace, like yeah. imagine like an Uber driver, like, dropping off some food to you Flo, and being like oh and you've been like oh sorry and then him just turning up to your place of work or like imagine you went on a date yeah. with someone and it went bad and you said oh look I don't really want to see you again and they turned up to where you work and they said well I think we're meant to be together actually I think I'm just so um, distracted by the happy peppy music that I haven't really yeah <laughs> well that's, that's what also, they're trying also, to get you that's how they get you Christopher Fitzgerald is like I, I cannot like a you know, he's such a, like, a small little cute, yeah. like, ogie. And he's so, you know, little and diddy. And I can't imagine him ever wanting to hurt Dawn. So I think in that way, he differs from Earl in the fact that I can't ever imagine him being, like, physically violent. Although what he's saying is sort of, you know... Along the same milk. Along the same... Yeah, it's... it's I can't imagine him ever getting to that point where he'd be physically violent with her. And I think but then. Got- Loads yeah. of people say that about loads of abusers. Yeah. True, true. But I think it's hinted, isn't it, that the rest of the musical, like, he isn't like that. He isn't like that yet. I'm sure Earl isn't <laughs> like <Right>. that. <laughs> I'm, honestly, I just, I have such an issue with that. Earl 2.0. Yeah. But I'm also just like, F off, Ogie. Like, she said no, go away. Yeah. Like, if she decides to come back and see you for a date, then she'll do it. Like, wherever you go, I won't be far to follow. And you can't see right now, but I'm doing eyes at the girls. <laughs> <laughs> but also, also, I think, I think compared to all the other characters in the story, obviously, like 
Dawn and Ogi are seen as like people who are complete like beginners at dating, right? Yeah. Like obviously with her song where she sings about like just, you know, it going absolutely terribly and then being like, well, what if he loves me? Like clearly they're both a mess. Clearly they're both like, we don't know, we don't really know what love is. So, I mean, maybe this is me saying it completely wrong, but I think also when he sings his latest song, um, I Love You Like a Table, and obviously she sings it with him, it's like, it's such a quirky song, but clearly, like, it's reached the point where... Because I, 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 see, I see his character as, like, falling in love with Dawn and being so in love with her that he is almost, like, obsessed with her, which I'm not saying is a good thing. Um, but, you know, it's that kind of obsessive thing of, like, you can never get rid of me. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here. I'm going to be waiting. I know, I know that you're going to love me as much as I love you. Maybe that's maybe that's me reading it completely wrong, but I don't think it was written in like a sinister way. However, you're no, right. I, no, no, no. It so is, that, it is yeah. like. Oh no, but that's my problem with it is that yeah. it's not written in a sinister way. It's presented as this kind of like useful, quit love story, and I actually find that he's just he's just giving examples of like very coercive, controlling behavior, but yeah. it's packed up as like, oh, it's romance. Like that's my issue with it. Yeah. Is put a peppy tune with it, and it's all okay exactly whereas yeah. Like, yeah the fact that we I didn't think... even register that like gosh that's it's quite not yeah. e- it's not even like i would never even a million years have thought about it that way until you've said it and then i'm going you know what the lyrics are kind of <laughs> my life is a lie <laughs> yeah sort yeah. of yeah i just like i wish they'd done a few changes like i wish like maybe like they could have easily done it so that she doesn't say like can you leave the diner and he says no like Maybe she's just like, oh, look, I don't know. And then he tries to convince her. It could have been a really nice song about being like, open yourself up to the possibility. Yeah. Instead of being like, I love you. Yeah. And I'm going to follow you wherever you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, like, yeah, it's annoying because I do love I Love You Like a Table. I think that's a very cute song. Yeah. So one of my favourite songs is Everything Changes, which is right towards the end. Um, you know, it's after she used to be mine towards the end of act two and i just i love this song it's such a beautiful song about the love between a a mother and her child and that sort of is really really lovely because we've watched the whole musical and she's been so adamant that she doesn't want this baby and she doesn't you know um she doesn't have any attachment to it you know dawn and becky kind of buy her the baby book and Mm-hmm. she you know she rejects it and she doesn't feel any sort of love towards this thing that's growing inside her um which she does say and she used to be mine that's one of the lyrics isn't it you know it, it's not like oh this is my child this is my baby she kind of you know this is the thing that's keeping her trapped in this life that she hates yeah. and she's kind of putting all that on this poor like on this poor child but you know she has every right to feel how she how she feels but you know this baby already has got this you know burden of you're the one that's keeping me in this life I don't want to be here I have to because of you I've got no money now to leave so you're gonna have to be stuck in this life as well you're gonna have to grow up like how I grew up and it's just you know it's it's a lot um so she she resents the baby quite a lot but then during the song it's her realizing that the baby is what is going to give her the strength to walk away which is really mm-hmm. lovely because I think just before um, everything changes starts, her last line I think is, "I don't want to have this baby, Earl," 
you know, during the contraction ballet when she actually goes into labour and then she kind of has the baby and every, like the tune for everything changes starts and it is, you know, everything does change. She literally just said she doesn't want this baby. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into a gorgeous love song from like a mother to her child. It sounds very different though as well. Like the music in it sounds yeah, different. It, it, sw- to, it switches yeah. it up really quickly. Yeah, it's like um, this completely new emotion, like the music's like mimicking this completely new emotion that we just haven't had from Jenna yet, which is just like this overwashing like love, isn't it? Instant. Yeah, yeah like it, it, it hits her in an instant, which is, which I mean, every and all the mothers that I know and like, they're always like, oh, you, until you look at your child, like you don't know that kind yeah. of love, mm-hmm. which is basically what that song is about. It's about that moment of looking at your child for the first time. Um, so yeah, like I said, the the babies is what gives her the strength to walk away. Because then halfway through that song, it kind of cuts back to Earl coming in and saying, you know, don't, remember, don't be loving that baby more than you love me. And that is what gives her the strength. Like she's got the child in her arms, and she kind of, I can't remember the exact words she says, but she basically says, "I don't love you. I don't want you anywhere near me or the baby." Um, get out basically and yeah she's quite strong in that isn't it's she? really strong and it's kind of like it's such a nice flip that she's felt like this baby's going to keep her in this life when you know that having that child in her arms is what's given her the strength to finally walk away from that abusive relationship which is really nice mm. like she, you know she doesn't want that life for her baby um and watching that i mean it was really different we watched it in the west end um what the Broadway audience went crazy like that's that stopped as soon as she told him to get out the whole audience <laughs> just erupted in like applause and people were like you know wooing and everything and and it it, wow. it paused it paused the production for like two minutes whilst everyone was just cheering oh that's and then so nice. and it was so lovely and then she carries on with the song and obviously like she's got the lyrics of uh, you saved me um there's a new life in front of my face. Like all of her disappointments kind of gone out the window. This baby's given her a new future. But then also yeah. that she's got this baby's future as well. Um, I really love the line, uh, an unsung melody is mine for safekeeping. Oh, God, so it's kind that's of like so nice. She's got the responsibility of this like baby's innocence. She's going to keep it and she's going to, you know, give this this child a life that she never got to have which I think is really sad, but also really sweet at the same time. Yeah, and it's that reclamation, isn't it, of, like, mine again. Yeah. She says, I was lost for you to find, now I'm yours and you're mine. And then it's uh, Becky and Dawn sort of join her towards the end of the song and sing with her at the end. And I just think it's really lovely. It's, like, a really nice symbol of that she's not going to be doing this alone. Like, she's got people with her that are going to, you know, be in this child's life and and she's not going to have to be on her own with it and it kind of gives her the strength. Also, that song uh, right after is when she she breaks it off with Dr. Pom. I know, which which, is, like, my uh, favourite bit of the show, personally, because I think it's, like, her being, like, yeah, this was something that I needed, but I don't need it anymore and I have to this out for myself. That's beautiful, I think. I think the fact that she's kind of... She saw what love is and she saw like how she can be treated and how she deserves to be treated, but it can't be him yeah, because yeah. he's already married. And I think that's really lovely in the fact that she's kind of like, well, you know, I've got a baby now. I've got this baby now. 
I don't need anybody else with me. I have people that can help me do this, but it can't be you, which I think, you know, that's, that's, it gives her the strength to walk away from that relationship as well. So I think, you know, this baby kind of switches everything up and she's Mm -hmm. had the strength to walk away, walk away from this relationship, which in, was good for her. Yeah, it wasn't it's what she needed. It was what she needed, time. but it wasn't, you know... It wasn't the right choice. It wasn't the right choice. And yeah. I think it's just really nice that she had the strength to walk away from that after being treated so badly by Earl. Seeing how nicely she can be treated and then still deciding to walk away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, I just love how, it, like, the, you know, Becky and Dawn joining her at the O and it kind of represents that she's going to, she's not going to go through it alone. The power of friendship kind of prevails yeah. above all. Um, I just love it. I think it's such a nice song, and it's such a breath, of, like a breath of fresh air after she's gone through all. Like, you know, you've just done. She used to be mine. She didn't want this baby. She's just had the breakup, and then it's kind of like a really yeah. nice way to sort of end a it. resolution. Yeah, yeah it just yeah. ties everything up in a nice little bow, and it's kind of like you know what, everything is going to be okay. Yeah, because everything everything is different now. Which you know, I just love it. I just love it, and then I think especially. You know what the film adaptation? She is really, really resentful of the baby. Really doesn't yeah. want it. You know, really doesn't have has no emotional connection. And then this kind of just undoes all that resentment, and it's now like you are my future. I just think it's really sweet. And I like that it doesn't really give resolution in terms of like she, she doesn't have a plan like at that point, or like there isn't no, no magic. You know, she's not won a million dollars or like yeah. something just about the baby yeah and about the power of just leaning on your friends isn't it and being like don't know quite how we're going to get through this but we are yeah <laughs> which i think there's something really beautiful about that about well that's 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 kind of what the musical's all about right it's about these three women and about mm. their relationship and they all have a very different story as well like all three characters have very different journeys with love and relationships um but it's really beautiful that like they will always be together yeah those three yeah yeah that's the constant isn't it in yeah life. oh god that beautiful. song really is beautiful <laughs> honestly and talking this leads us beautifully on to one of the other kind of biggest numbers from the show drum roll please <laughs> soft place to land um soft place to land is i feel like it's it is such a brave song because just musically wise it is so stripped back and it's so so gorgeous yeah and you would think oh this musical is about these three women and it's about friendship like you would think the big number that they have together would be that it would be the big number but i think it's just so bold to just really strip it back to the kind of like gentleness of their friendship Mm -hmm. Let's get the lyrics actually. Um, yeah, my mother, the, sometimes I still see her, my mother, the dreamer, she says, Nothing's impossible, child. A dream needs believing to taste like the real thing, like some stranger you recognize. Oh, I love that. I think that. the whole song is so, it's, it's like a breath. It's like them taking a breath, I mm-hmm. think, from everything that's going on. Because obviously, yeah. you know, Dawn's got a lot going on with like, kind of just plunged into this new world obviously jenna we know is going through a lot becky we don't know at that exact point 
but um you know she's dealing with the fact that her husband is is practically paralyzed isn't he is he kind of yeah you know he non-responsive like yeah, yeah he's kind of non-responsive doesn't have any sort of um she can't talk to him or anything like that and then she's actually having an affair with um cal the manager of the diner that we don't know at that point because i think she takes her bag and she kind of like is like i'm going and they're kind of like where and she's like she, yeah. she doesn't let on to where <laughs> yeah. she's going so it's kind of like it's them taking a breath and kind of taking time out from everything that's going in their life on in their lives which is really nice and it like would compared to like the hustle and bustle of the, the diner it feels like a real world stop doesn't it like, yeah this moment like they're just taking this collective breath together i love um opening up i love that song oh yeah it's like it's so classic mt like it's so classic where it like sets up the scene sets up all the characters it's nice and peppy nice and happy i love it it's just it's pretty i i love the uh the opening up like the end you know when they kind of redo it at the end with lulu so it's kind of like you know four years down the line um and then they, they move the pie boxes out the way and it reveals little Lulu. And it's so, oh, <laughs> my heart melts every time because they use such tiny little girls. Like they're tiny, all, they're all they're so, so tiny. <laughs> Which I think is quite a contrast because there is a, an, a song that they cut out of the musical, um, which is kind of like a, a song between Lulu and Jenna. Mm-hmm. And it's, I can't, it's basically. Really? Really? Yeah, it's it's little Lulu and she's kind of like, let's make a new one, Mama. What do you say? And it it's like she's baking with her her mum as like Jenna talks about in the beginning, like she did, which I really sad that they cut that out. Yeah, and she's like, I like it when you let me pick out the name, and then it kind of goes back into the sugar, and then like that all kind of builds in, and it's really lovely. It's a really gorgeous song. I don't. The only thing I can think of why they cut it out. It's something to do with like child labor laws, something like that. <laughs> do you think? In, I think. Well, I think maybe, or like the fact that they didn't want to have to to shell out because she's she's only she's only needed for that ending. Oh uh, yeah, you know? yeah. So I think they've kind of thought, well, to bring someone in for that one ending would be yeah. quite. They need to it's keep swapping. I mean, because they kept having they keep, they have to swap out the Lulus anyway, so it'd be a bit different, and she would have had to be a bit older. Yeah, and maybe they why. couldn't have found so many young children that could have sang that, or you know, it might have been something to do with that. But then they did age Lulu down because that little girl, I think, is is she's, probably about seven or like, eight. Oh, oh no, I think no, she's no. Like... In the in the sorry, the one that was oh. a, um, in the original singing right, the song okay, at the end, yeah. she's about seven or eight, and then now like in she's like three. Yeah, she's, she's like three or four. Tiny. They usually don't know what they're doing on the stage, oh, which is really cute. Um. So yeah, that's the only reason. Oh, maybe they thought that she needed to be aged down. I'm not sure, but that song is really, really nice. Yeah, that's. I would love to like know why they just made that decision to cut that down. Maybe also just like story wise, they just wanted it to be about Jenna in that moment, and to yeah, like maybe. feel like Jenna, her story had 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 a resolution. I mean, obviously, there's the really nice feeling of like feeling. That kind of continuation, like a cycle almost. Um, but, yeah, yeah, that's what I liked. I thought I kind of liked that. You know, she talks about how she loved baking with her mother when she was a child, and then you kind of have this song of her child baking with her, and I just thought it was really, 
really nice. But yeah, they cut it out. There is a video and it is Jessie Mueller, so I will find that. Oh, find of that. her doing it? Yeah, yeah, of her singing the song. I think it was mm-hmm. in one of the workshops or maybe in like the original run. It's interesting as well because I would... I... I wonder if you can shed some light, actually, Casey. What do, what does the Lulu do in the like in the original movie? Do you know? I f- I feel like Lulu isn't in the original movie. Um, ah. don't quote me on this. I haven't watched it in a really long time, which I should do. And especially after finding out everything about the writer, like we've talked about, Adrian Shelley, it was quite sad that she never got to see the release of the film because she was actually oh my murdered. God. <gasps> yeah, she was she was murdered just before the um the release. Of the film, so she was murdered in two thousand and six, and the film didn't come out until two thousand and seven. That oh is so God. sad. But like, had it been, I mean, we'll get back to the circumstances around her murder. But, but had the film been like at least shot or anything? Yeah, like yeah, I... she's in the film. She plays Dawn. She it plays Dawn in the in the film. Oh my so gosh. she wrote the film and starred in it as Dawn. Um, so it must have been like you know at least in in. In post at that oh my point. god now i have to watch this movie yeah it's it's re- it's a really sad story so basically um the circumstances surrounding it was her she had an apartment in manhattan that she would go to to kind of write and that was her creative mm-hmm. space so about nine thirty in the morning her husband dropped her off at the apartment and she went in and, and started working as she usually would and then it was towards the end of the day, her husband hadn't heard from her. Now, this is like 2006. So I'm kind of like, you know, it was before everyone had kind of like an iPhone. You could just kind of text people on demand. It was all like Reddit and stuff like that. So I think maybe he'd left it quite a while because it wasn't really usual, like unusual to not be in contact with each other 24-7. But he did find it strange that towards the end of the day, he hadn't heard anything from her. I don't yeah. know if he was supposed to go and pick her up. Um, or something like that because they had a two-year-old daughter so I'm presuming he would have needed help at home and you know Mm -hmm. she would have been wondering where like you know mum was um so he gets to the apartment block and he asks one of the concierges to um go up with him just to check because he doesn't have a good feeling about it um they so they contacted uh she hadn't contacted him they go up into the room and they find her hanging from the shower curtain the shower oh rail oh my god um with a bed sheet and they <gasps> you know obviously horrendous they go into autopsy and it, it's found that she's died from neck compression which they kind of just <sighs> rule, they it's yeah it's so shocking they just rule it as a suicide and kind of close that case um but her husband kind of advocates in she was like you know all she ever wanted was to to have a child and she's got a two-year-old daughter she wouldn't leave her in that circumstance she wouldn't you know she was perfectly happy before this happened um she had no she had every intention of going and working she was going to work Mm -hmm. she was waiting for you know waitress to be released there's no way so they kind of reopen the case and find um some evidence of a shoe print in the bathroom (gasps) oh my god yeah, so it, a sneaker print that wasn't the husband's, it wasn't the concierge's, and it wasn't hers. So somebody oh, else was in God. that apartment. And also they found that money had been taken from her wallet and the door had been left unlocked. So it was suspicious anyway. I don't know why they kind yeah, of went... Yeah, why aren't they ruling that a suicide? Yeah, why? it's... But why would they have to murder her if they all they wanted was money? 
so this is what they basically kind of what they get off the shoe print is like dust that is used um or usually comes from a construction site and there was construction outside of these apartments um and they they arrest someone straight away you know with a match for the for the shoe print and he sort of confesses it was a nine-year-old nine-year-old sorry 19-year-old construction worker um he was arrested and confessed to the murder straight away and confessed what? to staging the suicide. Uh, his why? Own, I, so his original version of events was that she had gone outside and asked for construction noise to be kept down while she was working and he'd thrown a hammer at her uh, um, oh and, she went and she went back into the building and then he panicked because he had immigrated to the country illegally so he didn't want her to put in a complaint about him and then, you know, him be deported and he didn't want it to go down that way. So he says that he originally, fo- like, he follows her in. And oh then my kill- God. And then kills her. But then that didn't add up because there was no evidence of the same residue on her shoes. You know, from this dust from the construction site, it was just him. So he later recants that story and says that he saw her, um, you know, from like lunchtime kind of, she might have, popped out to get some lunch or something he'd saw her and um, went into the building on his own accord to rob her because he knew that she was there by herself um he says that when he got there he'd grabbed her and she'd slapped him and he punched her <gasps> knocked her out um and then stolen the money and then staged the suicide so it was it didn't look you know as oh my god as suspicious oh as it as it and it all As escalated it from her saying, "Can you keep it down out there?" Well, we d- we don't know if that actually happened because he kind of they they say that that doesn't add up because she didn't have any of the the residue on the bottom of her shoes from the construction site. It was just him. Right. Yeah. So and then he later recants it and says that he waited in the lobby and followed her up. Wow. Um. So you know, so and he then really just is... he's yeah, yeah he just wanted to rob. I mean, he was nineteen, so I think you know. I I think he was just on the rob basically, and and it kind of went wrong, and he staged this suicide oh, to make so it look sad, to make it look you know less suspicious. But then they said that it doesn't really add up that he says he knocked her out first because yeah she had no she had no yeah. head trauma, and they found that she would have been alive when he staged the suicide. She was still alive. Oh my god! Oh god, that's even worse. So it's that horrendous, and she never got oh. to see you know she never got to see waitress be released. Her daughter was only really young at the time, um, yeah. so it was. It's really oh, that sad that she never so got to sad. see the success that it had and that it's gone and what, to. Like which a is horrible, really upsetting. like mirroring of like that she died at the hands of like male violence. Yeah, yeah. It's... Oh, that is just so sad. At least she would have been incredibly happy about the success of Waitress and like how it's impacted loads of women. So yeah. you know. And that the, like lasting impact is there, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And they they tribute it, you know, to her and her name's, you know, all over the marquee and stuff like that. So it's it's very much still hers, which is nice. Yeah. Um, and it's still come from her. But yeah, definitely watch it. She she plays Dawn beautifully, like um I mean I've I've only seen, you know, Kamiko Glenn um do it the first time I watched it and she was you know, she was astounding. She, but she really emulated her. I think. I think I saw Laura Baldwin like all three times. Oh actually. yeah, I saw her as well. I can't remember. She was really good. Yeah, really she was brilliant. 
Yeah. I think you've got to be dainty for Dawn. I mean, you've got to be small and dainty. Yeah. It's interesting as well that that Adrian um, Shelley didn't play Jenna. Like, I kind of love that, that she was like, no, I'm a Dawn. <laughs> yeah. Very much newer and quite sweet, isn't it? So this is the part in the show where it gets quite exciting. Um, we have the chance to do our very own fantasy casting with three well-known faces um, in our very own production of Waitress. Um, but, <laughs> however, there's a twist. As always, there's a twist. Um, and we have our magic generator back. And it's so magic that with the touch <laughs> of a button, Rose is going to give us three random names that will just appear um, so these names, they could be musical theatre performers, they could be actors, they could be actresses, they could be TV personalities, fingers crossed, got one, eventually shows up, <laughs> <laughs> um, including some wild cards. So without further ado, let's find out who we have today. Okay, I am <laughs> pressing it. Oh, Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, Okay. Wacky and fin- I mean, he would make it like if you were gonna go gritty, like I think, like, he'd... oh, he'd be a good earl. I was gonna say <laughs> that. I think he can we, obviously, we know he can do dark. Um, but can you imagine him as the doctor? I think he would be so cute. Oh, but I feel like he's quite intense, though. I think that Dr. Pomater needs to be gangly, like sort of goofy, <laughs> yeah. you know, long, long limbed, sort of, you know, kind of everywhere. Whereas I feel like Joaquin Phoenix is quite intense. So well, I feel. I think he's like, if you've ever, have you ever seen The Master? No. He plays like quite a quirky character in that. <laughs> and I think, like, have you seen him in like her? That film where he falls in love with like the AI bot. Yeah, but I feel like he's he's even quite intense in that. Like he, <laughs> yeah, he's <quite laughs> when he has that argument with her when she, when in her when the you know the AI sort of exhales air and he kind of goes off like, why are you doing that? <laughs> you know, oh, I, I've I never think, seen this movie. Have you? Oh, it's, it's really set, good. It's it really bizarre. strange. It's basically like he falls. It's is it set in the future, Rosa? Yeah, it's it's like a Spike Jones movie where it's like set in the well, they never really say, but I think it's meant to be like it's set in the not so distant future. Um, there's like a service that you can get that basically is like it's basically Alexa, isn't it? It's it's yeah, oh my like God. a like in the whole house, and it's Scarlett Johansson is this AI voice, and he sort of falls in love with with her. But she's not a thing. Like it's it's odd. It is odd, but it's good. But he, I, yeah. yeah, I think he's quite intense in that. And like, obviously, I've I've only really seen him in that and the Joker. Um, I would do the same. I would definitely cast him as Earl. Yeah, like I'm obvious casting. I'm gonna. I'm going agree rogue. to disagree. <laughs> agree to disagree. <laughs> Just because I've seen him in stuff where he has been like quite silly and cute. Oh. Oh my god. Okay, Prince. Oh my god. Oh god! I wouldn't even know what to do with Prince. I wouldn't know. <laughs> Stick him in the band. <laughs> oh no! I actually weirdly Ogie. Could you imagine him as Ogie? I could see that. Like I feel like of... I don't really know Prince outside of music, so I'm kind of like I can't picture what he's like personality wise. He's quite strange. Like it's very like. <laughs> Maybe he could play like a weird alternate of Dawn. <laughs> Okay. Oh, Alec Baldwin, controversial figure. Oh, that is very controversial. 
I think Cal. Yeah, I was literally about to say that. Do you know who I'm picturing? Do you know Alec Baldwin in in Cat in the Hat where he plays yes. the um, the mum's <laughs> boyfriend? Oh my god! Yeah, that bit at the end where he's kind of got like the wife beater vest on and his belly's out yeah. and he's he's like drinking and eating. It's all down him. That is how I picture Cal in the musical. Yeah. Oh my That's god! It. I forgot him in that movie. <laughs> That movie is so good, but so strange. It's so such a fever weird. dream, isn't it? It's so weird. An absolute fever dream. Okay, so this is completely rogue. Um, Kim Woodburn. <laughs> My I God. Think... I think Becky. Yeah, it would have to be Becky. Yeah, it would have to be. Could you, but she's like, stand up and be a woman. <laughs> Don't start with me. <laughs> Don't start with me. <laughs> But then we'd have to watch Kim Woodburn spank Alec Baldwin in the... (laughs) Yeah, it would have to be the same production. Yeah, In the same production, we'd have to watch Kim Woodburn spank Alec Baldwin. I could see that, though. Kim Woodburn and Alec Baldwin's a good match. Yeah. We are talking about the lady from How Clean Is Your House, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. With, like, like those pink rubber with, like, the the, the faux fur around the edge. Kim and Aggie. I'm just picturing it when... um, you know, when Jenna's kind of like, you can't do that, Cal's married. And she's kind of like, well, you know, your little thing is married as well. And I can yeah. just picture Kim Wilburn being like, you're an adulterer. You're an adulterer. You're an adulterer. She's, what is that thing? She's like, she's like, listen to me, you little bitch. <laughs> I do that oh, yes, time. you're right. From That's from um, that's from Big Brother, isn't it? Yeah, she was in Big Brother and just caused chaos. Oh, she's kind of an icon, but she is horrible. Yeah. As we come to the end of our second episode, I'd like to talk to you about a little tradition we have here on Sunday on the Pod. Every week, a performer friend of ours is going to add to our cast album and sing a song from the show we've been covering. This week, we have the lovely Casey Williams, a beautiful performer who, since graduating, has been around the globe on various performing contracts. She's going to be singing She Used to Be Mine from Waitress for us. Casey can be found on Instagram at Casey Williams and on her YouTube, which we have linked to in our description, where you can also find a link to her cover and to our cast album playlist. Please support Casey in our show by taking a listen. So it's been a wild ride with Waitress Gals. I think we can all agree that if you're looking for female empowerment, you're looking for some bloody good songs. And you're looking for Kim Woodburn spanking <laughs> Alec, Alex, Bald- <laughs> Alec Baldwin. <laughs> you come to our place. Like, exactly. Sarah Brellis, please take notes. Yeah, <laughs> That's what we want. The next sure. production. So if anybody wants to see that um, unreleased song, I'll get yeah. that um, posted on the socials. Mm-hmm. Because it is gorgeous. And I really wish they'd have kept it in because I think it would have really added to, you know, the ending. And also, if you have any opinions about Waitress that you want to share with us, if you believe that, um, you know, Ogie is an evil character, let us know. Um, (laughs) We'd love to know. Um, But also with our fantasy casting, if you think we've got it completely wrong, please do write in and let us know who you would want to fantasy cast. Yeah, that's good, actually. It's yeah. one of my favourite parts of the show, that I think it's it is. so is. I look forward to it. I look forward yeah, to it. Yeah, look forward to that the whole time. I'm like, who's it going to be? <laughs> if you want to suggest people, we can add to the generator. Yes. That would be great Oh, well. that's good, yeah. yeah. I'll maybe yeah. put a post up. We can get people to comment. 
Well, we have been Sunday on the pod with Casey, Flo, and Rosa, and we are officially closing up. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>